Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. When you Google the adjective cumbersome, the first thing that comes up is the definition of the word, which is large or heavy and therefore difficult to carry or use. The second thing that comes up, however, is a giant YouTube thumbnail image of 7 Mary 3 lead singer Jason Ross. Most people, in fact, instantly think of this 1996 modern rock single anytime they hear the word, and this week's guest, Trevor Leonard, is no exception. Are 7 Mary 3 too heavy, too light? Too black or too white? Too wrong or too right? Stay tuned to find out. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder Well, Trev, I knew this episode was going to happen sooner or later. You know, you and I went to college at the same time, and I would talk to you on Instant Messenger sometimes. And of course, anyone out there who doesn't know, Trev's screen name on Instant Messenger was Seven Mary Trev. So we knew we knew this episode was going to happen sooner or later. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that screen name. That was my secret one. Yeah. <laughs> so you picked cumbersome by seven mary three today and the first thing i would say about that is seven mary three now i think at this point officially owns the word cumbersome 
anytime someone says the word cumbersome in conversation, yeah. most people are thinking of this song. Would you agree, Trev? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I didn't know if we were going to touch on this right away, but damn, Chris, you, you honed in here. I think one thing that I think is incredible about this song is literally that word, cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And what what drew me in as a young kid, 95, 96 or whatever to this was, I mean, I, I was always searching for another layer of lyrics beyond, oh, she has my heart and I love her, you know? Uh-huh. That's more like what I'm looking for now, you know, which is kind of weird. But I wanted vocabulary. I mean, th- this song, <laughs> it literally taught people a word. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's It's kind of... It's fascinating. I mean, could this fly today? Is even just that word in a pop song. It's funny you say that, Trev, because I remember back in high school in my first days of trying to write my own songs that at one point we had like a list of vocabulary words. And I one of the first songs I ever wrote, and it was like a like a ska punk song. And it was like uh-huh. just a lot of lyrics, but it was all, I tried to use all the vocabulary words from English class that week. <laughs> I, this song definitely has some vocabulary in it, and it also has a weird story. We're going to get into these lyrics, but right. But before we get into the lyrics, I want to talk about this guy's voice. Mm-hmm. Voice is one of those voices that I think everyone does the impression of from the 90s. Yeah, and it's no- the total 90s grunge voice, yeah, right? It's not so much the kind of voice but it's more the kind of voice Uh, and in a way parts of this song i don't know if either you guys were a fan of ren and stimpy but Uh there was this character on ren and stimpy named kowalski who was like this giant man baby who ren and stimpy were taking care of what would you like to drink kowalski meat get him a glass of meat well, funny story, you know, actually, yeah, th- this guy, I think, based his vocal delivery on Kowalski. I think so, for sure. <laughs> um, I yeah, mean, that's, dude. that's what I was reading on uh, Song Facts. <laughs> he comes in hot on that first lyric of the song. Yes. He comes yeah, in very he's hot. hitting it hard. She calls me Goliath and I wear the David mask. So energetic. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons why this song is a hit and, and can hold up is because it does have dynamics. Yes, it comes in really strong, mm-hmm. but you know, the bridge comes way down, gets, you know, kind of verbed out and delay and it, it has that ambience. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it does have the the sort of juxtaposition of the clean, really bright, thin guitar in the beginning, right. you know, and then everything kind of slams in. It's kind of cool that the vocals come right in, you know, right after that, where it feels like there should be an intro a, a re-intro or something, but gets right into it, right? I think that that's like one of those sounds of the 90s that like, I guess the you, you attribute it to something like Smells Like Teen Spirit that kind of like made that the trendy thing, right? Like The quiet loud. Yeah, right. you started a couple yeah. seconds of just like a non-distorted guitar and mm-hmm. then everything. Like not like a slow right. build. It's just like a couple seconds and then drums, bass, and guitar all rocking on totally. the same note. Like it's definitely an aesthetic that I don't think we do that much anymore now and I kind of miss it. It was very comforting. Yeah, there is something about that balance. I know when like Krista makes they talk about like 
songs were like in the first note the crowd knows what song it's going to be like when it sure. hits so it's like i oh, can imagine you're at a seven mary three show and you just hear that clean guitar part start playing and you're fucking booking it to the front of the stage right you're like totally oh, here it is it's just a chord that is in probably 95 percent of every song ever you know but like just just the the rhythm of it the way the strumming pattern and the texture of it it's so like textured yeah you're totally right i, I think it, it's the calling card you know you you hear that chord and like oh shit it's on we're getting cumbersome right now you know we're gonna have our <laughs> vocabulary lesson right now. <laughs> i think that was a big thing that drew me to the song because i was like always hunting for words that you know i, I mean language you know it's it's so expansive and we kind of it's a lot of times in pop songs, it's reduced down to, sure. you know, whatever. Sure. She loves words. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is great and amazing. <laughs> which and, I um, guess what we're trying to say is Seven Mary Three is better lyricist than the Beatles. That's that's what we're <laughs> Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but they taught us about cumbersome, so that's good. Before we dig into the song and the vocabulary words in the song and the story of the song, I got to talk about the story of the band a little bit because... It's that classic story. Band mm -hmm. forms at William and Mary. Band <laughs> right. gets popular on Florida radio. Band moves to Orlando to make it. It's the it's the story you've heard a thousand times of the band <laughs> moving to the big city of Orlando to make it in the music biz. And uh, it, it's it's a time told classic story, and I'm I'm glad to hear it once again. But there's something to be said about the idea of like, all right, let's say. Punchline falls on hard times, right? Like the the state of Pennsylvania has, for whatever reason, renounced Punchline. They're like, we shall no longer book them. We shall no longer <laughs> listen to them. But then out of nowhere, like in Albuquerque, New Mexico, some radio station is just fucking playing Be Right There over and over and over again. It's like the most requested song in Albuquerque. There's not a part of you that's like, yo, dudes, I think it might be time for us to move to New Mexico. That's it. That's the signal. Yeah. You got to go where the radio plays are. <laughs> I guess I guess I, if I was living in Virginia, Virginia. yeah, I would move yeah. way further away from New York City and Philadelphia and D.C. <laughs> and even Chicago. All the places, you know, where you don't want to play as much. I would definitely... Straight, straight to Orlando is where I would go. <laughs> and when you well, they did something right with that move. Yeah, it they was, got them uh, signed. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. When you look at the band in the music video, I don't know if you guys watched the music video recently. They definitely look like a band that would move to Orlando to make it. <laughs> uh, they got the look, and the music video is it's them playing in a bar a lot of close-ups of their faces for some reason i don't know whose idea was to do close-ups on these guys faces <laughs> lots of slow motion to add drama to a video where absolutely nothing is happening it's the anti-video you know they were about the singer close-ups though because i think yeah. the follow-up video video water's edge has like multiple shots that are just his face taking up the whole screen. I mean, oh, really? it begs yeah. the question, did these guys think that they were going to get more popular based on their attractiveness? <laughs> I, I mean, when you watch the question, it's like, okay, the music, we could, we're going to talk about the music, but these guys or somebody apparently thought these guys were so hot that we need as many close-ups on their faces as possible. Uh, do we know how much action they got back then? I mean, it's... I mean, they were in Orlando. I don't know. 
I, I don't I don't know. They were hanging outside of the amusement parks trying to pick up women or whoever, you know. Like you said, they, they all went to college together. They formed in college, graduated college together. So they, they were coming from that like college rock yeah. scene. Right. And it does sound weird to like to us, I guess, like thinking of moving to Orlando from, you know, a place Pennsylvania or whatever. To, but yeah, but like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, all right. You, you, you got to ask Chris to makes about this. Maybe he knows yeah. something about yeah. what happened there. I think one of the other things, Chris, that I didn't even really think about until Trev brought up the fact that like, yeah, these guys are fresh out of college is I think as a kid watching this music video, I assumed that they were closer to our age now than the yeah. fact that they were probably like in their very early 20s at well, that that's, time. <laughs> that's what's <laughs> right. really funny is when I, I was going to make note of this too, when you watch the music video, especially the singer, looks like a dude in his 40s. He yeah. has like, yeah. he has like a, <laughs> they look a blonde, he has a blonde Fu Manchu with a blonde flavor saver, shoulder length, curly hair, and just looks like... Yeah, that dude's probably <laughs> 22 and he looks <laughs> and he looks 48 for some reason. And that could be based on the fact that people that have that style still today, I associate with bar rock bands in the Pittsburgh area that still look like that and are yeah. 48 plus <laughs> in age. Right, so, right. I don't know, maybe that was the style at that point. We're talking about like what, 92? This song? 95. Oh, 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 oh. Recorded in 95, came out in they 96. They formed in 92. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, they were definitely in their early 20s if they formed in college. But, like, I mean, they also look like a band that got their name from Chips. Like, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> they did. which they did, right? Yeah, yeah that's, right. The, that's the yeah. story. I've never watched well, Chips, yeah. but it's a motorcycle cop show, right? Yeah, it's a motor. And, like, I feel like it's been brought up on a couple different Krista Makes episodes too, and even on here, like the the boringness of like, oh, what's the band name mean? You know what I mean? Like it's, but mm. my God, I can't imagine the, the trying to explain your band name to somebody where you're like, well, it's from an episode of Chips because seven is the patrol car number, and then right. M stands for Mary for motorcycle, and then the three is what their unit number was. And it's like. Great. Well, hey, I, I think that we can all remember the times uh, of trying to figure out a band name that doesn't exist. And you just get to a point where like, I don't give a fuck. Seven Mary Three. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't think the band name is that bad. Se really? Seven Mary Three. Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Actually, I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. I want to talk. I want to talk about the song. We got to talk about the song. Okay. Some. All right. Yeah, let's get into okay, it. Okay. It starts, like I said, comes in hot with she calls me Goliath. <laughs> it sounds like after the guitar intro. Don't forget okay, about our, right. our but, uh, but, yeah. nice crisp intro. Very sort of constipated <laughs> vocal delivery here. <laughs> but she calls me Goliath and I wear the David mask. Now, you two guys. Me being the guy with no religious background, you two, you two Jesus boys, the Bible boys, let me know. Is a David mask a thing? Did David wear a mask? No, it's the story of, it's, I don't think it's the Bible. It's the story of David and Goliath. That's not it's the like Bible? It's like the small guy. I mean, that's in the guy Bible. Beats, <laughs> beats the guy Well, but, but I don't think, I don't think it's honing in on a religious aspect. I think it's honing in sure. on like you know, a fight and sort of a battle, you know, gotcha. who's the, the victor. Right. I also think that it's him playing himself as the underdog, right? Okay. Because he's right. like, yeah. she's, she's Goliath. I'm I'm weak little 10-year-old David with a sling trying but, to take down this awful 
woman. But the David mm-hmm. mask. So maybe he really is Goliath, but he's pretending to be. Yeah, David. he's he's yeah he's we all wear a mask sometimes. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right, that's right, fine. Especially these days. I guess <laughs> I guess the stones are coming too fast for her now. So these analogies of David and Goliath to me are all messed up and confusing. What is the story of David and Goliath here? Oh, so you don't know that story? Well, I know that it's Goliath is this giant Goliath of a man, you know, so much so that Goliath becomes synonymous with like a large burly person, right? And, And David is a very small boy who defeats Goliath, I guess, with like a slingshot or something. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty much the whole story. <laughs> just like Matt, just like Matt said, it's it's like the underdog story, you know, that like right. the the person who's you know whatever a quarter of the size of this person and has nothing on them takes down this you know this massive. Yeah, it's kind of it's a underdog mixed with like a brains over brawn type story. Like sure, all of right. the yeah. like all of the army is like charging at him, whereas David's like, no, I have the slingshot and I can attack him from a distance. And like, as long as he can't reach me, I have the upper hand. Okay, <laughs> this th- isn't right. related to the song, but I, I'm just curious why was Goliath coming for David? It was part of just a giant war. Like it was a it was in the middle of a war. Oh. You ever seen the movie Three Hundred? Yes. Okay, so remember, like the one, Eve, like the the bad guys had like just this mutant creature that they would like bring out every once in a while that would just kind of wreck all the other Spartans. Uh-huh. Kind of mm-hmm. similar vibe. Like okay. there's this yeah. big war, but like the villains also have this like incredible fighter that no one can get near. So it's like as long as he's on their side, there's no way that the other part of this war has a chance of winning. They have to take down Goliath, but every right they send their mightiest warriors and they get destroyed. And then like the shepherd boys, like, I think I could beat him. I've got a slingshot. And they're like, whatever, kid, go get crazy. (laughs) All right. So in this story of the song, she, in this story, we're assuming his significant other, is calling him Goliath. I take that as sort of like, you know, whatever argument they're having, you know, it's like it's almost getting too intense and and too real for, for her, you know? They're throwing hard punches at each other, you know? I think the analogy only makes sense when we jump to the next line because it goes into the like you know i'd like to believe the nervousness will pass because all the stones that are thrown are now building up a wall so it's like the arguments are getting so bad between this couple that now there's like a giant wall dividing them up yeah and that's pretty much where the religious (laughs) i think i think the the david and goliath story pretty much just goes away from the narrative (laughs) by the second lyric of the song (laughs) right yeah it it becomes that like the the stones they were they were ammunition but now they're they've created the division, you know? I just want to say real quick that here's another great instance of this song, you know, kind of bringing some mythology, some some literature, an extra layer of, you know, the the listener kind of needs to jump in and, and sort of like figure out what's going on here. Who is, I mean, you know, maybe some people don't even know the David and Goliath story, you know? And and so I, I just, I think that's another cool element of how, and they had, I mean, just like like you're saying, from even from their look to their sound, they had such a confidence. You know what I mean? Like they're delivering this with, you know, it, it's been fleshed out, and this is how we want to deliver this, you know, this message. He's delivering it, especially that first line. He's delivering it as Goliath would deliver it. But then, yeah. by the time he says, "I wear the David mask," he's no longer delivering it 
like Goliath, he's more delivering it in more of a David tone. <laughs> but is he pretending to be David or mm, is he That's a good David? question. Is he, we- he wears the David mask. Right. But so he's Goliath. So. Yeah. He's actually still Goliath, but he's wearing a David right. mask. Okay. All right. I'm starting to understand yeah. a little bit because- This is headier than we even yeah, thought. My God. The chorus is coming. I have become cumbersome to this world. I have become cumbersome to my girl. So he's weighing down. Cumbersome means- you're weighed down, right? Like if you had a cumbersome mm-hmm. backpack on, it would be a real heavy, like, oh, this thing's cumbersome, right? right? Well, that's, it's kind of a cool thread that happens because, so he set up, you know, the metaphor of David and Goliath. He's, you got the stones. The stones are creating a wall. The stone metaphor continues into, leads us into cumbersome, like exactly what you're saying, the the weight of everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's becoming too much. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of tight, you know, it's like a tight way of telling the story, but also the thread it holds up leading into sure. cumbersome, you know? So is he kind of admitting that he is Goliath? I think a little that, bit, that yeah. That he tries I mean, to play it off like he's David, but he knows he's Goliath, and he's he's weighing down his, his girl with these stones mm-hmm. that he's throwing that have then made him cumbersome to her? I wanted to check the genius lyric breakdown just to see if they had anything for the David Mask line to clarify. That's the only lyric in the song that doesn't have any type of genius reference. But the next oh, yeah. part, the I guess the stones are coming too fast for now, and I'd like to believe the nervous will pass the analytical version of it says he's nervous because he keeps saying and doing all the wrong things and he knows that she isn't looking to keep forgiving him for his mistakes she can't keep up with all of his follies and they both know that there's plenty more to come in the future oh so he knows Mm. he's goliath he yeah he knows he's the one messing up okay well and he's saying yeah i have become cumbersome to my to my girl to this world she has no he's become right yeah i also think that we're looking at this in the wrong way now that I'm looking at the lyrics again because I think we're thinking I think that there's quotes that need to be around something and I Mm. think the quotes are specifically from Goliath to David's mask like she says you're Goliath wearing a David mask like you're a jerk who tries to act like the underdog (laughs) right because I think we're reading it as like she calls me Goliath but I'm just like he's like taking ownership I think it's her calling him out she's claiming that that makes sense yeah Oh, mm-hmm. she's saying, you, you, yeah, you're Goliath, but you wear the David mask. All right. But yeah. he, he recognizes it, too, right, in the chorus. He says, oh, yeah, you're, you're right. We've officially analyzed <laughs> yeah. the first verse of Cumbersome for longer than anyone on planet Earth has ever analyzed <laughs> verse one of Cumbersome. This is where people, this is a one-stop shop for, uh, for Cumbersome right cum- here. Cumbersome. All right, we're, we're going to move a little faster. Second verse is, I'd like to believe we could reconcile the past resurrect those bridges with an ancient glance so a little throwback to the ancient dave and goliath oh there you go there's Uh, your religion chris (laughs) you good little altar boy you but my old stone face can't seem to break her down she remembers the bridges burns them to the ground all right so nice well i I like that the thread continues of stone the bridge the sort of connection you know between the two is disintegrating and i mean the weight is kind of collapsing everything it's you know i think he they do a good job of keeping that thread going and and sort of tying it all back to this idea of weight and heaviness and you know that tension yeah well i mean speaking of weight would you say that it can sometimes be too heavy and too light (laughs) (laughs) oh nice one matt (laughs) 
There we go. He set you up, Chris. It's Al Ewing. What's the next line? Now we're in what I guess is the. This isn't the bridge. This is no. It's like the second no, chorus. Right. It's like the yeah. It's like chorus? it's like a. Yeah, I guess it's a post-chorus, right? Because yeah. it does. It happens twice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's cool. It's kind of a, a neat part, and I I love how the, you no know, like the the cadence of the words pick up there. Da 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 yeah. da 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 da. Yeah. You know, it's sort of the like energies. has that kind of Marshall beat, or like you know maybe on kind of that idea of stones being yeah. Thrown the the or, energy's or picking up. We're not so weighed down right. by the stones here so much. Mm-hmm. It's too heavy, too light, too black, or too white. Too wrong or too right. Too day or too night. <laughs> I think by the end they were just like, what else starts with two? Too day or too night. Um, <laughs> screw it. Put it in there. Cumbersome. Too rich or too poor. She's wanting me less, and I'm wanting her more. Maybe the best line of the song right there everyone can relate to. That's nice. A bitter taste is cumbersome. No, yeah, no, 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 yeah. (laughs) No, I think you mean no, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, meat. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking at the lyrics and the breakdown of the song again, and I'm realizing that like this is doing something that I think is kind of rare is, you know, we have what we think is the chorus, right? I have become it's definitely the chorus. That's well, definitely no, the but chorus. here's the here's the problem. That chorus comes in a second time, and then the too heavy, too light part kicks in, and then you never hear that I have become chorus again. And now, in place of where the chorus would normally be, is the too heavy, too light part minus oh, at the, the at the end. It yeah. doesn't. Like it never. No, I think it does. I don't think it does. I yeah. maybe in oh, the right, seven minute version it, that we listened to off the first it album. Does, but it, <laughs> like, it does. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It does the 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 down bridge, and then right back into the too heavy, too light part. Because <laughs> he kind of he kind of does in the bridge. He sort of does like a it's like a br- down bridge that turns into like a down half chorus. Because because he says at the end of it, he says cumbersome at the end of the down bridge. But then you're right. Then he goes into that post-chorus again. So maybe it's like the actual the chorus happens in the in the, the word down cumbersome is still bit. said in both things. But that's a good point, Matt. Yeah, you don't you don't pick up like that. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's missing that chorus again no. for some reason. Also, weirdly, the the way that it's broken down in lyric genius is that I have become cumbersome is the chorus. The too heavy, too light part is listed as bridge number one. And then it goes into bridge number two, and then it returns to bridge wow. number one, and then outro. So according to Genius Lyrics, it's just two straight minutes of bridge until the outro. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd call it a post-chorus, yeah. because the, the down the down bridge is clearly the bridge, yeah. you know? And that's where it gets all, like, the, the delay comes in and stuff. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. 
So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. You know, real quick, I just want to mention that I think it's so interesting that they recorded this with this guy, Tom Morris at Morris Sound Studio in Tampa, Florida, right? And Morris Sound Studio is known for death metal, which I think is badass <laughs> oh, as hell. We did a uh, Krista Makes a Podcast episode about Obituary. Oh, sick. Yeah, and I think they were yeah, one of the bands. Yeah, they're from Tampa. Yeah, Tampa is like the death metal capital of the world. Like, that's where it like, was born. Well, obviously, 7 Mary 3 would relocate there. Right, of course. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, they, t- they talked about that studio. Yeah. So, so, right, the Morris Sound, Tom Morris. So, yeah, the, I mean, when I was looking at just some of the credits, Sepultura, Cannibal Corpse. This one I thought was awesome. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Perfect for this nice. time of year. But, yeah, I thought that was a, a very interesting choice. But you kind of hear like the heaviness of that coming through you know like and and it's mm-hmm. it's i don't i don't know so maybe they they kind of push them to to be even though things are are clean there's a good bit of you know grit to it as well yeah i have a hard time figuring out if i like this song or not <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i think you get hung up on the voice and you can't get past the voice i must have a little bit of an issue with like post grunge music or whatever you want to call it like that era of mid the late 90s where bands, well, are, tr- bands yeah. are trying to like r- keep it keep the flame alive of the Seattle bands from the early 90s I mean this band did form in 92 but like by the time this hit 95 or 96 I was probably ready to be done with it I'm, I know I was I, I, I already was <laughs> clearly you were and this was like past my time of caring about this kind of music and now to this day I still hear this song you know here and there and I'm like wow this song just never goes away and I feel like I've been very public that this is my sweet spot for music like 94 to 97 is like oh I I love that record labels just got fucking wild trying to find the next Nirvana and just threw contracts (laughs) at anybody that was even a little grungy. Totally. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think, Chris, to your point, too, like, and and I was kind of looking this up because, you know, they always get, uh, Seven Mary Three would always get this, like, oh, you're ripping off Pearl Jam kind of vibe, you know? And, and like, by this time, 96, this comes out, Pearl Jam had released 10 verses and Vitology already, you know? So, Mm -hmm. like, we had, like, all of this incredible, so badass Pearl Jam records, you know, that were like yeah. quintessential 90s grunge. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of ready for for something like a throwback almost to 10, you know? Like, I, I love mm-hmm. Pearl Jam. So I think f- for me, it like, it hit onto something. But there's something, I don't know what it is about their presentation or about his voice because I, I'm not like a huge fan of that, the Yarly kind of stuff, whatever you want to call it. But there's something that just feels authentic about his voice and his delivery to me that like, I, I don't know, I just believe him. And because 
I think on, on the other side, you know, there's Creed or, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. like where I just, I just don't believe it or something yeah. like, you know, like, like it almost feels like you're doing this just to fool me or whatever. Or just like, you know, where, where like something about this, it just feels more authentic. And, and I think it is something in his voice. I mean, he definitely has that really like, you know, guttural kind of like harsh 90s grunge vibe but there is like this vulnerability that i get in it at times where he's got this like quiver you know he's got kind of like a vibrato thing that happens and, and actually in some of the other songs on the record you can like really hear it in on some intimate spots i don't know yeah i, I guess i guess there's something about it that just feels you know authentic and like oh th this guy really went through this shit i had the seven mary three essentials playlist on today and I will say this this band isn't a bad band just because they're not like the style that I necessarily like. They're pretty good at what they do. And I mm -hmm. do think that I heard a lot of songs that were more in the vein of what was happening in the late 90s of like, I'm not going to say Delamitri, but I'm like more towards that than Pearl Jam and Nirvana. You know, like more mm -hmm. on if there's a if there's a line between like pop rock radio, what you would hear on like your Kiss FM that's pop rock and more like what you're going to hear on your like rock station Nirvana. Well, whatever. There is a balance between two worlds. <laughs> One with an arrow and a cross. That's right. Well, no, I think, Chris, <laughs> you're actually tapping on why their success really wasn't too long for this world they had their follow-up singles which i do actually really like both of the follow-up singles there's water's edge and my my which i think are two pretty decent songs but then yeah, yeah their follow-up album was a much more acoustic folk type release sure. and i think oh interesting that caused that it didn't match what the fans were wanting and it failed to chart and it's just kind of been like a steady decline for for them and they kept it up until 2012 so they went they had a 20-year career being Seven yeah. Mary Three on the on the power of cumbersome. I know that when we were originally planning to record this at your house and we were doing research, Trev and I were joking around because of a quote that we found from the drummer because uh, he said that the song was both a blessing and a curse yeah. because it started their success and it helped them sell a lot of records, but it then became a monkey on their back where people would leave after they played the song Cumbersome. And I found it very funny that you would be Seven Mary Three and you'd be like, well, we can't put cumbersome as our closer. We gotta, we gotta put that somewhere in the middle of the set. Yeah, what are you doing? God. What are you doing? You gotta right. close with cumbersome. Yeah, you, that's you gotta, gotta be your 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 sec your second encore. You know, it's like or if you're gonna play it earlier, yeah, you gotta at least be like, hey, we're gonna play this again at the end, everybody. Yeah, you gotta tell me to tone it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. At least enjoy yourself. <laughs> enjoy your show. You know, it's like, yeah. but it seems like they are kind of bummed about it, but. On the other hand, whatever, they sell, sold millions of, of records, so yeah, it's a tough call. After Cumbersome was a hit, I guess, yeah, you have to make a decision. We could go one of two ways. We could go as heavy as we are now and heavier, or maybe the suits were telling them, like, hey, you need to go a more acoustic direction, you know, or mm -hmm. you need to be a little bit lighter so you can be... Because this song only peaked at number 39 on March yeah. 2nd hmm. of 1996, so... It's a hit in the fact that it has lived on and still gets played on like 
whatever your radio station, the the X or the Edge or whatever your like right. rock radio station yeah, is in your city. Just barely a top 40 hit. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like, really. Right. It's not like some mega hit or something. Yeah, I mean, they, they had to make a decision and, you know, they had a hit once again. Like like I always say, wish I could have a hit, you know. Right. So they, they had theirs. It, it lives on sort of in a way. Um, the grass is all, always greener on the other side of a hit, right? It's like, you know, you, you want one until you get one, and then that's all you're ever known for. On the point of what Chris is saying with the suits getting in their ear, or even them getting in their ear, I think when you look at, like, it's like we're looking at March 2nd, 1996, right? And you've got these two, you've got the rock charts, the like the rock, modern rock charts, whatever you want to call it. They got to number one on there. And you look at, like, who they're hanging out with on that chart, and it's like My Friends by Red Hot Chili Peppers, I Got ID by Pearl Jam, World I Know by Collective Soul, and Glycerine by Bush. But then you look at like where this top 40 chart is and what's hanging out on there. And like your number one song is One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. And then you've got like the Tony Rich Project, Nobody Knows, and Everything But the Girl Missing, and LaBouche's Be My Lover, Joan Osborne, One of Us. Gin Blossoms, Follow You Down, End Till I Hear It From You. They had two songs on the top 10 at that point. Mm. Like, I could see being like, we need to be more like the Gin Blossoms and Joan Osborne if we want to get higher up on this chart. (laughs) That could be, yeah. Well, you know what I was going to bring up? Actually, one of, like, my favorite songs, like, back in the day, I would use, I would, like, cherry pick these, like, you know how bands would used to have like acoustic songs like there would be like one song on the album just acoustic you know yeah. like that, that was a big thing back then they have that song called lame on this album it, it's like it really like i was saying before you, you kind of hear the intimacy of his like vulnerability in his voice on that on that song and, and it like it kind of got to me and it's a cool story kind of about like this lonely kid or whatever but you kind of do see that direction there and i and i think like i mean coming from like the college bar rock scene and probably having you know like tons of drunk nights and and like you know crazy relationships or whatever it makes sense that they made these songs a- at that time but i also see how they could be moving towards that you know direction just in this album alone how there is some of that you know kind of softer more intimate stuff there but i, I mean it's a good point i mean like yeah I, imagine the pressure there it's like okay well what do we do now like how how do we you're right matt it's like maybe they're they're looking like oh we got to sound cleaner like the gin blossoms i got to chill out my gravel in my voice or something i don't know i don't think they did that but yeah because i feel like there's something that sucks any of us would kill to have a hit song like like it's like it'd be great but it's like if you're busting your ass and you become the number one song on the modern rock charts and it just barely even gets you in like the top 40 mainstream like you have to be looking at like well what are these other bands who feel like they could be contemporaries and feel like they could be someone that we tour with but they're not on the mainstream rock charts they're just hanging out on that mainstream pop chart like what is that what is that divide and i think yeah leaning a little bit more into like hey let's go a little bit more with what the gym blossoms sound like let's get right a little bit more softer a little bit more folky a little bit more digestible <laughs> you know so like it's, that's what their next album was was more like yeah you're saying yeah. okay interesting yeah they had a more fo- 
acoustic folk release called Rock Crown in 1997. It didn't do as well on the charts as this one did, but maybe those were just the songs they wanted to write too. We're like speculating right. all yeah, this no, stuff, I, but like I think there is something to that, you know. Well, and so we we didn't really talk talk about Mammoth Records, which was the the label that signed them, right? And so this label, Mammoth Records, was the first independent uh, label to produce two platinum records. Whoa. Seven Mary Three, American Standard was the first one. You guys know the second one? No. No. Squirrel Nut Zipper. Oh. Hot. Oh. oh. They kind of crushed this label. Like they, <laughs> they sort of dominated. Of course, they sold to, uh, they, they were in, you know, they sold to Disney. So <laughs> that, that's why they're all in Orlando. Oh, you know, like, that makes sense. Okay. But, uh, you know, kind of interesting that like they, they had this independent label that, you know, basically turned into a major. Also, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to just see, okay, here's, here's a hit single in 96, basically four minutes long. Like, that just does not fly anymore. However, as I think you said before, Matt, the original version, which was on their like self-produced album Churn, was like six minutes plus. That right? is cumbersome. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That the song, song revealed itself. <laughs> yeah, that is meta as hell. Like to call a song cumbersome and then make the song cumbersome. Wow. And I uh, think you know when what? we listened to it, it was like there wasn't anything that was. Did you listen through the whole thing? Yeah. What was it? Just like solos or something happening? Or no, it was just like everything was doubled. So it was okay, like right. that opening guitar riff went oh, yeah. two extra measures. The full band yeah. went like two extra measures before the lyrics kicked in. Like it was just like okay. extra stuff to pad it out that like didn't right. need to be there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could tell that the fat is trimmed pretty much as much, <laughs> as, like, much as it can. They're like, we we got to get this song to six minutes. <laughs> we got to quadruple every chorus, double every verse, triple every post chorus. Then there's like one extra lyric in the bridge. Like there's like okay. nothing, like there's so little that's cut <laughs> to make this yeah. a four minute song. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, it was ridiculous. But they cut, yeah, they cut two minutes out of it. Well, you know, one thing we did hit like hit on like okay the, the the chorus has the word cumbersome in it which is just it's just insane first of all you know like that like a a song can get so popular with such a a strange like vocabulary word but i do think another thing that's happening here is like when you look at the the shape of the chorus of of the cadence of how it sang you know I have become. It's so singable. I mean, you you literally like hear it. Just like I, I'm sure this is a song they played once, and by by the end, the crowd is singing along just just by the timing and feel of that, you know. And and I think there is a lot to that. I mean, probably now too, you know, just just the singability of something that you can listen to a song once and learn the chorus, you know, is it's like. You're in a good place if you can achieve that. And I think that's something that's happening here because it's pretty sparse. I mean, it's like guitar, bass, drums, single vocal until the second chorus. That's The harmony comes in in the second chorus, which kind of ramps it up. And it's on that post-chorus or bridge one, whatever we're calling it, the harmony. But there's not a lot of like bells and whistles going going on, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is is just like how things are phrased and how digestible that chorus is, you know. It's secretly um, it's it's sneakily anthemic. 
now right, that you brought exactly. that up, it's like yeah, it's very da, anthemic. Da, da, yeah, da, right. It sound yeah. When you just sing it, take the words away. It is a catchy melody that you know you could picture an entire crowd exactly. singing easily. And, yeah, it uh, sounds like an acapella like stadium, you know, like right. at like a, a football game song or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the chorus, it's wow. it's kind of wild. So I think that I I, th- I would imagine that at least has something to do with it. I think you're right. But yeah, I mean, I, I love when that bridge comes in, like having some of that. Uh, so this dude, Tom Morris, he was the engineer, the mix, and he mastered it too, which I was seeing in the credits, which is kind of cool. And he was this, you know, the metal dude. And I just, I love how the, the bridge kind of like, it chills out. Do, what do you think of the bridge, Chris? Because his vocals get a lot more relaxed. You're not getting a lot of that like in your face guttural shit. Does that make you feel good? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I, I no, mean, okay. I, I probably prefer <laughs> in this particular song because it's that borderline of, and I'm not really making fun of Seven Mary Three here, but there, it's almost funny. This song's it's funny that 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 it's called cumbersome. Like that is so memorable and such a goofy yeah. word that that's funny. And then his delivery, that borderline Chewbacca slash Kowalski from Red and Stimpy delivery at some parts, <laughs> is pretty funny. And it's so funny that then you're singing it with your friends because it's funny. And then all of a sudden you're like. Oh, I've sung this song to my friends so many times that I now like this. I think that's right. kind of like the way this song works for a lot of people, or at least it worked for me. Like, I can say to you guys, like, yeah, I like Cumbersome. It's not something that that I should like, you know, yeah, based right. on my musical tastes. It's mm-hmm. like, you know white guy bar rock <laughs> that that with a with <laughs> with one of those 90s voices which I tend to not like but yet I still like it for some reason and you know we got to decide if this is one hit thunder or if it's a run, one hit blunder and I'm really on the fence here with 7 Mary 3 um, oh man i know that 7 thunder Mary all Trev, the way I, yeah, I know it's Seven Mary Trev. <laughs> you you know, leave me a leave me an IM Seven Mary Trev. <laughs> <laughs> his his away message is I have become cumbersome. That's what I thought you were gonna say is that I used to put that up as my away message all the time. If if you had um, to make an away message based on cumbersome, what would it be? I, I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I actually I, use the opening lyric as an away message at least once. The she calls me I, Goliath and I wear a David mask. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that must have been somewhere in there. You know. <laughs> I mean, the I, chorus I is a dress- pretty good away message, too. Like, hey, I'm not around right now. I've become cumbersome. <laughs> I think that, Trev, I feel like you would have been real emo and put life has become cumbersome. <laughs> Absol- absolutely. Oh, or, my gosh. Yeah. Totally. Or, or if you're in the middle of a breakup, you do the she wanted me less and I wanted her more. You're like, oh, yes. there it is. Let everyone know your heart's been shattered. Oh, <laughs> like, man. What a, what a great way to express your inner feelings in yeah. the away message. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't remember all mine, but I know I had some staples, you know? I wish I could have a book of all my away messages. I felt like that was like such That's a- That's got to live somewhere, right? I don't Isn't think it- so. I don't think so i i i think What's it was such site? a, a like prime place or? for comedy it was such a prime place for like me trying to be funny <laughs> it was Man, twitter before twitter it. was your away message right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. I, I chris you you nailed it on the head i was all emo on there it's like <laughs> it's like just 
I just need to let you know that I'm feeling emo right yeah. now. Yeah. That's, well, that's what I got to do. I feel like every the cliche, but like for a reason, is like I remember so many people with the exact same either taking back Sunday or brand new lyric in their away right. message. Like every time, every time it was it was either the seatbelt lyric from Seven Times Seven or the You Could Slip My Throat lyric from You're So. Your so last summer, like everybody was using those lyrics for some reason. I think it was the <laughs> dashboard confessional. My hopes are so high that your kiss might kill me. Line. I think I saw that. <laughs> oh, yeah. more girls away messages than I saw of anything else ever. But uh, that would be a funny thing to try and figure out. What was the most common, you know, like away message? It was <laughs> all gotta emo be some, lyrics. There's got to be that. some research on that. Yeah. Anyway, seven Mary three. You're giving him a thunder, Trev. I am. You know what? I I just want to hit on real quick sure. a couple other tasty things that happen in okay. the tune. All right. You know that drum fill that happens is is pretty badass. It's just like a, a like the straight roll like all around the yeah. kit. It happens like twice. Also, just the the sound of like the drums and the snare that the sound that they got it just totally centers it in you know Pearl Jam Ten world in my mind. You know it's like it really put it there. The other part that I thought was really cool, which Chris, I think we we should be incorporating this more in some of our songwriting, is the guitar bass riff, a unison riff that happens. The guitar and the bass oh. both play it. It's okay. like right before the outro, and it's it's kind of sick. You know, it's like right. I, I, we do that at times, but I, I love that stuff. Also, the quintessential ninety thing. There's like that little like guitar whammy parts like mm-hmm. you know that happens in there so crush I-, I think they all uh they made it a hit baby yeah they it, has it. All, all it has pieces all it has all the pieces hit. that's that's exactly what i'm saying basically it's like also i would implore all the songwriters out there listening and uh us here too guys is that i think i think what this is telling us is that open up your vocabulary books get them out Find a word that, you know, people need to learn and figure out how to put it in a song. You know, I remember using using recalcitrant, trying to use recalcitrant in a song with my buddy Mike back in the day. You you've um, used some words, Trev. I, I know. I, you, I, I tried. Yeah, I tried. On some you know. Triangle Shirt Factory stuff. I feel like there was some words you used here and mm-hmm. there. I'm trying to remember. For sure. I mean, your your band before that was called Procession Came Opposite. Talk. Talk about use it. Use yeah, the there word you go. Procession in your band name. We're talking about Seven Mary Three. You had a band called <laughs> Procession Came Opposite. Well, the only worse band name than Seven Mary Three, Procession Came Opposite. <laughs> All right, you're giving Seven Mary Three a thunder. Matt, what are you giving them? Of course, I'm giving this a thunder. This was completely in my musical wheelhouse. Uh, I love the song. I have American Standard. I actually think it's a pretty solid record from front to back. All things, mm-hmm. if you liked Cumbersome, you'll dig the rest of that album. American uh, Standard, by the way, is that's always written on like sinks and toilets and stuff. Yeah. I think it's a toilet yeah. brand. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Water's Edge was like a modest hit on the rock charts. I think it's a pretty, it's a good like Halloweeny type song. It's about like seeing a murder happen by the Water's Edge mm-hmm. and not knowing what to do about it. And uh, I, my first exposure to them was actually this, their third single, My My, was on the the X Games Volume 1 compilation. And I was like, who is this? And then, like, Cumbersome came out shortly thereafter. But uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
I would love to see some snowboard footage set to cumbersome. I bet that would be pretty <laughs> It'd probably be rad. That picturing that in my head is actually what just put it over the fence and I'm gonna give <laughs> seven Mary three a thunder. So nice. I guess it's thunders all around. I wasn't expecting all that, around. but but it happened. We did it. We got there. <laughs> my favorite thing a hundred plus episodes into the show is that it just how, takes the minorest details to push Chris to thunder <laughs> yeah, or blunder. Right, right. <laughs> but he's also kind of disappointed that he's considering it a thunder. Yeah, picture, <laughs> just picturing that X Games footage set to cumbersome, and I was like... That did it. Yeah, maybe maybe like a uh, spills compilation. Like <laughs> right, people, right. People really biting it on their snowboards set to cumbersome. Running into rocks. That would be pretty sick, so thunder. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Sensory Overload off the Punchline album, Lion. Visit punchline.com for info on future Punchline shows, releases, and merchandise. We're on Patreon now. Visit us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for bonus material, early access to episodes, and a chance to help decide what songs we should discuss on a future episode. Do you want to hear your song on the show or have any interest in sponsoring an episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.